This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk sassy. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm Samson Folk. I'm your host. Yes, I have filled in. We're actually taking over for William Liu, who has left Yahoo Sports to cover the Raptors there. Today, I'm joined by Dave Dufour. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Excited to be here. Oh, right on. Uh, tell the people about what you do. What's your, what are the credentials you bring to the podcast? Because I, I need a high credential guest. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't... I, I hate to think about it like that. What are my credentials? <laughs> um, you know, I've got a degree in basketball. No, um, oh, you. you know, uh, I'm a former coach. I'm a current podcaster and writer. Uh, work for The Athletic now. Um, I host uh, back-to-back podcasts, that, you know, soon to be moving over to to The Athletic. Um, yeah, that's it. I spend a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> also got dogs Twitter degree travel a lot you know do all that kind of stuff yeah big big dog dogs? guy was that what kind of I've dog? got two French bulldogs and, and a mutt wow I've actually yeah. I've been looking at getting a French bulldog um, is it how is it um I don't recommend it <laughs> oh really they're great dogs but they can be really expensive and mm. you know here's the thing there are a lot of dogs <laughs> This is this is going to sound crazy uh, from a person who has two purebred dogs, but there are a lot of dogs like at shelters that are great dogs that are going to live a long time and have no health problems. And uh, my preference is to go with those. And my wife has a, yeah. a differing opinion, and that's you know often how things go. But um, yeah, so I highly recommend just going to get a mutt. That's, Better yet, uh, if you've never had a dog, get an older mutt. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's actually what uh, I, I live in Mexico, and there's tons of uh, strays down here. So that's probably the route I'm going. Wait, with. you live in Mexico? Yeah, Puerto Vallarta on the coast. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I should have told you before the podcast. Yeah, anyway, no, let's yeah. talk about this. Hold on, hold on. So, what took you? Yeah, to I live in Mexico. Um, just trying to experience more cultures, man. And that's cool. how long have you lived there? Uh, I guess it's six months now. Close to that. How's your Spanish? Uh, it's it's not so bad. I find that since I've been writing a lot, like it's definitely every day that it's kind of tough to take on a language sure. when you're writing English all the time and reading. But yeah. uh, it's challenging. But it's okay, you know. 
it'll come along. I'll be fluent soon enough. I yeah. Think. You just, you know, honestly, man, like I, I've found, I mean, the, the way to do it is you just got to schedule time and that like you're living in Mexico, just get out of the house. Don't go to any touristy parts and, and just go hang and try to talk to people, you know? Mostly, mostly it's the guys I play basketball with that I pick oh, up perfect. Spanish from. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> there you go. So yeah. you already know all the cuss words and that's what yeah. really matters. <laughs> that's yeah. how they know if you're faking or not. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. That's really cool, man. I love that. Um, that's awesome. I guess it, it would appeal to you. You lived in Korea, South Korea, you said, and also Europe and tons of places. Yeah. So yeah, I move man, a that's lot. Crazy. Yeah. We, we, I find we, that a lot of, a lot of the guys on NBA Twitter that are more prominent, I feel like, have kind of like a worldly status. And I'm not sure if that's like just a coincidence, but I find that a lot of the people who are popular have been in a lot of places. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know, man. That sounds like some confirmation bias on your, on your point. <laughs> yeah, it could um, be. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think the two are related, right? Like, even, even before I lived overseas i felt like a worldly person because i read and you know i try to pay attention to stuff and and all that kind of stuff certainly traveling has has only increased that and i mean god man like i'm a i'm a much more empathetic person now than i was 10 years ago and uh you know that's great but uh yeah i don't know man i think (laughs) i definitely think that's some confirmation bias on your on your point oh it almost certainly is the first (laughs) thing i want to talk about today is I'm going to ask you, I'm going to bounce questions off you as the guest. Yeah. I want you, as a guy living in the States, a guy who covers the league, I want you to make the case why the Raptors aren't going to make it to the finals this year. Oh. Yeah. Wow, this is funny. Yeah. (laughs) um, So, uh, I, I got one word. Well, one name. Giannis. That's it. Best player in the East. Best player in the East on the best team. They've been the best team all year. The Bucks have. The health issues aside, that is the best team in the Eastern Conference. They've got a lot of length. They've got a lot of shooting. And they've got the best player. And, and I think, you know, when you've got that, you, you basically have it, have it locked down. They're, they're my pick to go to the finals. Um, I, while I like Toronto, I think, you know, obviously Kawhi is very good. Pascal Siakam is great. Um, Kyle Lowry is very good. You know, playoff, prior playoff performances aside, um, I really like their team and I like what they did getting Marcus All. But I just think you know the Bucks have just been consistent all year, and they they're by far the best team. So that that's my one reason. Mm. Does them losing Malcolm Brogdon worry you at all? As to how because he he's had very good games against the Raptors when they've played. Obviously, the Raptors have lost the Bucks more times than the, they beat them this season. Yeah. But like three, Malcolm uh, Brogdon. season series is 3-1. Three 3-1, one. Three one. yep. And Malcolm Brogdon has been like a really big part of those games. He's able to shoot over one of Kyle Lowry or Van Vliet and kind of put them in predicaments by posting up every once in a while. And he's really good on defense. But the Bucks might not have him in the playoffs. Do you see like somebody who could step into that role from the Bucks that might Sterling compete? Brown is doing an okay job. You like Sterling Brown? I do like Sterling Brown. I like Sterling Brown when he was coming into the league. Um, he's, uh, you know, he was a, a bit of a development project, but he's come along really, really quickly and, and playing okay in, in that kind of Malcolm Brogdon role um, against, against, I mean, it's against the Hawks, but he had 27 points against the Hawks yesterday. That's true. Yeah. That was a crazy game, by the way. It was right. Yeah. 
And you're going to lose some of those. You know, Giannis was out. And uh, obviously, uh, Bledsoe was out. Middleton was out. And they, they only mm-hmm. lost by one to a plucky Hawks team. The Hawks have been playing people tough. Kind of played the themselves. They've played themselves out of a good shot at the number one pick, which I respect. You know, like they're out there trying to win basketball games, and that's and that's cool. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks are are the best team in the East. I think they they're probably the second best team in the league behind the Warriors. I don't think anybody else is close. I, yeah, I think that's a fair take. I guess since let's appeal to your coaching background, if so, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka are obviously going to be defending the paint. Giannis is a terror in there. Brooke Lopez has gone from being an incredible post up big. Now he's moved up to three-point line. He stretches the floor really well. If they start putting Giannis in any pick-and-roll action and you're Nick Nurse and you have one of Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka waiting, are you dropping? Are you trying to hedge? What's, what's the defense? Oh, you're dropping. There? You're dropping. Because even though Giannis's shooting has gotten better month over month, that still is what you want to live with. You cannot let him go to the basket. You don't want to put him on the free throw line just because of – I mean, first of all, you, you know, while his free throws, I mean, he's shooting like 73% from the line, which is good. Um, but you also don't want to have to change your defense because you're in foul trouble. And so, you know, I think you're dropping back. You're hanging out in the paint. Uh, what Utah did in the first half of the last game to get played against the Bucs, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but you do not, you do not want to let him get to the basket without anyone there. And he is, uh, I mean, he's a terror, like you said, especially in the paint. And with Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, kind of a litany of where the Raptors in years past have been short of wing defenders. Now they have, you know, Kawhi, Pascal, and OG. Danny Green. To throw at Danny Green as well. Yes, good point. To throw at Giannis over the course of a game. Do you think that of any East playoff team, the Raptors have the best chance of slowing down Giannis? Or absolutely. are there other teams? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I think Toronto and, and Milwaukee are the two best teams in the East. And, and, Philly, if they can, if they figure out all their chemistry stuff, will be in that conversation. I think it's a th- it's a three team race, and I ju- it's just because of the talent that they have in Philly. But for sure, if anyone can guard him, it would be Toronto. Yeah, definitely. I guess so. My next question is, what 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 would you give the Raptors if you were going to make a case now for the Raptors to take the Bulls or sorry the Bucks out? to make it to the finals. What, what are the key points they have to cover on offense and defense that they eliminate the bucks? I think it's going to be the battle of threes. And I like the bucks give up a ton of threes. So the Raptors are going to have to hit them and I hit them at a high rate. So they're going to have to shoot like 38%, 40% from three to win a series. Cause the bucks can miss threes and still win. They can still blow you off the court missing threes. We've seen it. So uh, the, the Raptors are going to have to hit threes. Bucks give up tons of them. The, the Raptors are going to need to defend the three-point line for the Bucks. You know, Giannis is going to get his. It just, it's going to happen. So you've got to run the Bucks off the three-point line. You've got to do what Philly didn't do against the Bucks when they gave up like 39 open threes. The Bucks missed them, but you can't give up the open ones, not to the Bucks. So you got to win the three-point battle if you're Toronto. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to stop Giannis. Giannis is going to get his, you know, 25 to 30 a game. You got to stop everybody else. You cannot let them have huge games in particular, Brooke Lopez. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to defend him. Do you want to take, do you want to keep a big on him or do you want to 
send someone like, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam and have him guard Marcus or Brooke Lopez, sorry, uh, you know, way out to the three point line. Um, and, and then, you know, you use Marcus all or Serge Ibaka as that sort of safety net at the basket for Giannis. I don't know. It's Nick nurse has got some stuff he's going to have to figure out, but I will say this year they're well suited to do it. They they've got the personnel, they've got the lineup flexibility. So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait for that conference finals matchup. Is that that's the conference finals that you think will be happening? Oh yeah, that like Boston, Indiana. No, Boston, I'm not worried about Sixers. Boston. Not worried about Indiana. Sixers, I think have an outside chance. Seventy Sixers are a really interesting team just because they're so laden with talent. Yeah, and, exactly. I mean, and and in the NBA, that's how it works. Usually, the the, the fastest horse wins the race. So if we're talking about the playoffs and something I just want to appeal to since you're from San Antonio, a guy who failed in the playoffs for the Raptors, but was one of the most beloved players of all time. DeMar DeRozan now plays for the city with, with which you reside. How, yeah. how do you feel about how the city's received him? How do, they love like, him. What's the overall tone? Yeah. They love him. Well, I mean, listen, man, like he's kind of a, a reserved, quiet guy. And that kind of guy can thrive in San Antonio, like with the Spurs. Um, he's a team first player. He's actually having, to me, his best season in the NBA. His playmaking has been fantastic, exactly what the Spurs have needed. His defense has been decent. His rebounding is up. I mean, he, he really is having a great year, and they love him. They love a guy with that sort of work ethic. You know, he, he's one of the few guys, despite his status in the league, he adds something new to his game every single summer. That's huge. And so from from a public perception standpoint, yeah, they really do love him. I mean, he, he might be one of my wife's favorite players. His footwork. You know, she like geeks out about his footwork. I'm like, come on now. Yeah, he's very good. And you, yeah, you spoke earlier in the podcast about how like you, you grew in how you approached empathy in your life. And yeah. DeMar DeRozan has been one of the players who has kind of like jump-started that conversation about empathy, emotion, like being true to yourself and like, being transparent with your fans. How, like, are you, are you proud of his progression in that way? Is that cool to cheer for a guy who has that in his, in his back pocket? Um, to be, to be honest, I don't actually think about that. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that stuff is great. And I think that in particular, uh, for men and athletes in particular to, to be able to be, vulnerable in that way is important and great. But man, when I'm watching basketball, I'm just thinking about basketball. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and are the, are the San Antonio Spurs your favorite team? No, I don't have a team. You don't have I've only team, lived in San Antonio. All. I haven't even lived here a year. Oh, wow. Well, there yeah. you go, I guess. Yeah. So is that, is that 100% true that you don't have a team? I feel like no. a lot of people say that. No, it's 100% true. I, I don't root for any team. I am a basketball wow. agnostic. I like, so here's what I'll tell you. The Spurs definitely have had a lot of players that I, that I like a lot. Like Manu Ginobili is probably my favorite player to watch ever. Um, it's Manu and Michael Jordan. And I love Boris Diaw. They've had a lot of unique, <laughs> per, unique personalities, right? Like people that play the, the game in a unique way. And um, Pop has kind of maximized those guys. Danny Green's one of my favorite players. He's got a great story. He was almost out of the league, you know, got on with the Spurs and turned himself into an elite three-point shooter and one of the best defensive guards of the last 25 years. So 
certainly I like a lot of those guys, but I mean, Pascal Siakam is one of those guys. I, I love Pascal Siakam, Marcus Smart. Um, but yeah, I, I do not have a favorite team. So if you're, if you're just a fan of the league, is there mm-hmm. a team that stood out to you that maybe it's taken the biggest step in being really fun to watch or step forward in their dominance? Like which team is that for you this year? Well, I, I think, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks are fun to watch. Um, the Brooklyn Nets have been great. Um, as of late, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but the Brooklyn Nets are a lot of fun. The Kings have been great. Got to see them last night actually here in San Antonio. Um, yeah, I, listen, I, I'm a, I'm a proponent that the league has got more talent right now than it's ever had. And it's right. the best basketball that's ever been played. So, you know, you're, I, I sound like an evangelist for the NBA, man. You know, <laughs> if any, if Adam Silver's listening, feel free to create that position and I will be your chief propaganda master, whatever you want to call it. Um, cause I do think the game is in a really good place. And I know the game, like not just the NBA, like I actually know the game, like what, how it's played on the court. And this is the highest level basketball has ever been played. We've got the most guys with the most skills ever in the NBA, you know, one through 15, they can all play the difference between 15 on the bench and a starter is so small that the average fan would not, would not understand. I mean, if you watch the 15th guy on the bench play against college guys, they'd be dominant. That's how mm-hmm. good the league is. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool to 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 be covering the league. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of the league in general. I definitely agree with that, and I'm actually happy you brought up the Brooklyn Nets because they've been one of my favorite teams to watch this year as well. But they also might slot into the seventh seed, and they look like they're probably going to end up being the Raptors' first round matchup. We talked about dropping when defending Giannis. DeAndre Russell has broken into this pseudo stardom this year and he's obviously great snaking the pick and roll and putting players in jail keeping them locked out how would you if you're the raptors let's say again you have Pau Gasol or sorry Marcus Gasol Serge Ibaka and in the games the raptors played earlier this year D'Angelo Russell scored a lot because they did drop on the pick and roll how like what's the best situation to guard D'Angelo Russell I think I, I would put Danny Green on him right D'Angelo mm. Yeah, Russell has a lot of length, and and I would try to counteract that with with Danny Green's length. Um, but he's a tough guard. He's got he's a big body, which you know also makes it difficult. But he's not going to post up Danny Green. He might try to post up Kyle Lowry though. And uh, yeah, that's what that's what I would do. And and you got to keep him. You got to run him off the three point line. Is, is one of the biggest things you got to force him into the mid range. You want to get him you know, out of his comfort zone, which is, is, which is taking that three. Although he's been hitting this weird floater all year that just came out of nowhere. So yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, honestly, like right now he, I'm not going to say he's unguardable, but God, he's a tough guard, especially in the East. Like among guys in the East, he's one of the toughest guard right now. He's just, he's been really, really great. Yeah, I do like the suggestion of Danny Green, though, because he's probably as agile as D'Angelo Russell. And also D'Angelo Russell, when he's going for that footer or working in the mid-range, to have a bigger body behind him or beside him to crowd the things he's comfortable doing is important. Because when he gets into that role, like he'll, he'll snake the pick and roll, he'll do an in-and-out dribble into like a floater or just an easy jump shot, and it looks like he's like at practice because he's so much larger than usually his primary defender. But if you throw Danny Green at him, 
he might feel a little bit more crowded, and yep. those actions might not work as well. And Danny's not going to foul. Yeah, good point. And, and, you know, the difference between D'Angelo Russell right now, now, I mean, I, this is a little bit of hyperbole, but if D'Angelo Russell drew fouls at a higher rate, we would be comparing him more to, like, James Harden. He is so he is like James Harden in that right. there's so much action in his left wrist when he's making like passes. He has a lot of different arm slots he can make got passes. Great from. feel for the game in the yeah. same way. Can make every single pass and is a willing passer. He's not like a Definitely. ball hog. So, I think yeah. the biggest the biggest progression for him would be like to play that downhill pick and roll the same way like James Harden does to like measure steps and get that pacing perfect so that you can walk to the rim for a layup or you can surrender at like a lob to Jared Allen. Like that's the next big progression for D'Angelo Russell. It seems. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, if Karis Levert can regain his three point shooting from earlier in the season that they'll give someone trouble. Yeah. I think the best case scenario is that D'Angelo Russell scores like 25 to 30 points per game does a lot of it out of the mid range and the Raptors win in five and you, and you try not to let like Damari Carroll and Joe Harris hit four threes in the same game, that type of thing. Cause Serge Ibaka has defended Jared Allen really well this year. So I'm not super worried about Jared Allen, but like the nets, they hit a lot of triples and there's always, there's always, you know, the variance that can swing the wrong way and it can doom a team. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so, you know, in play in the playoffs, you know a team can get hot and and steal steal a series. And Brooklyn definitely. has shown it can go, it can go on runs. So they're definitely prone to it. I guess uh, since this is a Raptors podcast, it'd be fun to get some Celtics slander in. What what is the reasoning that the Celtics are gonna not reach the second round of the playoffs? If if you could provide some, hmm. I mean, you listen to my podcast, right? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Not every day. Right. Well, it's been a, a recurring theme for me this season, but I think there's, there's a couple of things. One, they, they don't really have shooting. They can't shoot. So you can zone up against them. And actually, Toronto and Brooklyn have been zoning up a lot this season. And I think a large part of that is because of potential playoff matchup with the Celtics. They want to be ready to, to run that zone. Um, so that's one. Is that they can't shoot. That's an issue. But number two, and I think this is the bigger problem, is that they haven't figured out how to maximize their star, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's having a great season, but it just feels like too often that, that offense is allowed to stagnate and the ball's touching too many hands when things aren't going well. And sometimes you just need to say, you know what? Why am I being stupid? Kyrie, please break this funk. Uh, and then the third one will be that Gordon Hayward is not quite back. So, you know, having him out there playing real consequential minutes and, and, you know, maybe not living up to what you expect, or at least, you know, his performance doesn't match the role that he's got that, that could be an issue. Definitely. That's anytime when the Raptors lost to the Celtics, it was because Gordon Hayward had like 18 points. I'm like, 12 shots from the field and it was because he got to the he got to the post they didn't have him running anything on the perimeter he was just using his size because he is a pretty big guard if you are going to play him at that position he's like six eight yeah yeah and he's and he's like thick strong guy as well and he was like a very underrated athlete before his injury as well that was something that wasn't talked about very much yeah absolutely 
So, like, if the Pacers are playing the Celtics in the first round, do you think that, like, Bogdanovich, Sabonis, Turner, like, who is providing the biggest problem for the Celtics that the Celtics are going to have a problem with? Um, I mean, I definitely say that the Celtics can defend the Pacers pretty well. I'm not worried about the defensive end, but the Pacers are not going to let them get easy buckets. And so they're going to have to be able to shoot. And, and that's what worries me about, about Boston in the first round against Indy is like, they, they're going to have to make shots. The Pacers are going to come to play every single game. And I know that stuff sounds cliche, but the truth is they've gotten to this point. You know, they're almost the four seed without their best player for most of the season. There's only one way you get there, and it's because they show up for every single game, and it's a slog. I mean, they, they're going to fight, and, and Bogdanovich has been huge here down the stretch when other guys have been out or just been struggling. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the bigger thing. Can, can Boston overcome the Pacers' defense? Yeah. I guess the final question that I'll ask you, and appealing to your coaching background once more, Ojiana Nobi, who had one of the most incredible rookie seasons for a Raptor, not as just having like gaudy points, like point totals, but as a net rating God, as an overall panache to like defensive and offensive problems. He's had kind of a tough year the second year. From what you see of him, what does he need to do? What are progressions he needs to make to insert himself back into a role where he's an undeniable star as a role player? Did did he have an ankle injury this summer or like in training camp or something like that? He like he tore his ACL in college, but that was the year right. prior. I was I, I don't know why I was thinking he had an ankle injury this year. because uh, I'm an ankle injury truther. I actually think <laughs> I think that ankle injuries are a lot well, I no, I know that they're a lot more serious than we treat them as. And you can watch guys that have early season ankle injuries. They they almost all struggle to get back to their normal form. Few and far between are the guys that can just, you know, come back and be healthy. Um, and I'm talking severe ankle injury, not, not just a guy like tweaks his ankle. And right. so, you know, it, that kind of stuff tends to linger. Um, but with OG, you know, like second year guys are often bad. You know, it, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to judge any guy that hasn't been in the league like three or four years. Um, most people don't figure it out until like year four or five. So I think, I think he'll be fine. Um, it's going to take obviously development on his part. He needs to be more consistent as a shooter, more consistent defensively. And that's going to be his role. If he can hit, if he can hit the corner three and if he can defend, he'll have a job. And, uh, if he can't, you know, then, you know, year three is when you usually start to hear the murmurs. Oh, wait, is this guy going to figure it out? So, um, we'll, we'll know right away next year. Do you have any? Do you have any examples? Like, if you're an ankle truther, like who? who do you have any players that you remember? Well, Marcus struggling? Smart shooting. Marcus Smart shooting oh, yeah. struggled every single year that he had an ankle injury, which was three out of his first four years. Um, Steph Curry last year had that early season ankle injury, then had the knee thing, then had the ankle injury again. Like guys, it just seems like you know we don't think enough about that whole lower chain and how it's connected and how you know one little kink in that chain can really mess everything else up i guess yeah okay so then let's think about like Kawhi's injury i'll sneak in one last question here Kawhi's injury load management has been kind of a meme for the toronto raptors this year as somebody looking from the outside in at the raptors how do you think they've done with Kawhi leonard and how do you think 
like they'll do going forward? Um, I mean, clearly they've, they've erred on the side of caution and that's always smart, especially with an injury like this, which who even knows what it is. Um, it seems like this might be a de- degenerative condition. So that makes me worry about the long-term Kawhi Leonard stuff. You know, are the Clippers going to want to sign him to this contract, this max deal this summer? Do the Raptors, knowing what they know, are they going to want to do that? I guess that'll be pretty telling. Um, But I think that, you know, the the Spurs model works. If a guy's got an injury, you you sit him. You know, you you have to take the long-term approach. It's smart. It's a good investment. And so I I think that they've done well. Now, is he going to be able to play in the playoffs? Now, it's nice that you've got more rest. But, you know, it's not like he just missed back-to-backs this year. So, I mean, let's, let's hope he's healthy. And is there, do you have any gripes about his fits? Like his fit with the Raptors this year, stylistically on offense or defense? Well, there's less ball movement when he's on the court, a lot more isolation. And I think that that can kind of, you know, from, from me looking on the outside in, seems like there can be some frustration. And, uh, but the second unit, it's a lot like the Spurs, actually. They, they've kind of become Spurs North. That second unit gets the ball moving quite a bit and uh, plays a little bit more exciting style of basketball. But clearly, it's working. And that's what matters at the end of the day. If you're winning, nobody cares. So um, other than that, no, I think it's fine. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Dave. Uh, here's an opportunity. Plug whatever you want and tell the people where they can listen or read you. Uh, you know, you can check me out on The Athletic. Uh, at theathletic.com uh, if you're a subscriber hopefully you are um, if not subscribe it's good stuff and uh yeah i mean i'm on twitter at dave dufour nba and uh I'm, you know like to answer questions and stuff so uh make myself available for that all right thanks for coming on once more man if you guys yeah. like this you can check out raptors republic at Raptors Republic on Instagram, Twitter, or go to the website. There's tons of great stuff coming out constantly. We've got all the play breakdowns from Coop NBA, lots of different B-lobs, lots of different horns actions that he's breaking down that the Raptors are running. Uh, Louis Sassman just came out with a profile on Jama Malala, the coach of the Raptors 905. So check that out. Thanks so much for listening. Have a blessed day. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.